there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Singles music podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as not usual. Nee. Hi, I'm Eve. Uh, we are also joined by cocktails. Yeah, I'm sorry for all the glass clattering in this episode. The ice cubes. Avid listeners may recall that um, I have not been on the last couple hot singles. Um, we had this idea to get Boo on as like a regular co-host thinking it would be me, Regs, and Boo. And then I just had to be like, I can't do hot singles right now with my move coming up. And so I've been off and Regs and Boo have been holding down the fort. But I wanted to do a Christmas music episode. Uh, and I wanted to do a Christmas ep- music episode with you because we both like Christmas music a lot. And um, yeah. Regs doesn't because they're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Checks out. <laughs> we both brought albums that is like, oh, I have all these like personal like Christmas like Yuletime memories and um it's just not a thing that they <laughs> yeah. did as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> so we're here, and we didn't talk at all about which order we want to do these in. Um, you brought um, The Bells of Dublin by The Chieftains, and I brought um, Songs for Christmas by Sufjan Stevens. Um, forgive me if I also accidentally bring up anything from Silver and Gold, because Sufjan Stevens put out ten Christmas EPs across two albums that I'm pretty sure I've only been listening to songs for christmas this year i don't remember putting on silver and gold this year but we'll see yeah so you got a preference about which order we talk about these in um i mean i guess spoilers for the content of the episode to come but i feel like your sufian stevens talk is gonna be a little bit more like falling out of religion Mm -hmm. and then my the chieftain's talk is going to be that happened and then i came back into it a different way Mm-hmm. So I feel like it might, might might make sense to do songs for Christmas first. Yeah. <coughs> so. Sorry. It's just going to be this. I'm almost done with my cocktail. You've got two cocktails. So. Yeah. What did you, What was mine? What was the one that you made me? Old Fashioned. Okay. I never had one of those before. That was good. It was just cherry and orange. And I did a mix of whiskey and um, apple brandy. But um, fucking idiot! I googled songs for Christmas and I just got a list of Christmas music. 
<laughs> Sunday school songs for Christmas. Sufjan songs for Christmas.
uh, people are not familiar with Songs for Christmas, um, it was first released in November 2006. Um, it's recorded between 2001 and 2006. Um, Sufjan, um, just as he's getting his you know music career started up, um, every year is just like recording a couple Christmas songs with whoever's around and these are like put out for the fan club initially or they're just sent to like family members you know but songs for christmas is sort of like the first like real official release of something that he'd been slowly putting together over um five years and so it's a lot of fucking music (laughs) yeah including repeat songs but like yeah different (laughs) yeah um uh, especially like the last, um, like yeah, the like the, part five. The has... part five has like a couple repeats, um, but it's like you know, um, a lot of like country folky, like a lot of um, acapella music. Um, it's just sorry, I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> um. Extremely, so this this is in general like associations that I have with Sufjan Stevens, which is that there's a lot of stuff that's happening like slightly before and concurrent with what he's doing in Iceland. Mm-hmm. That's like around this like crew contested mm-hmm. term, you know, movement that's happening. Um, and in those, there's like a lot of stuff where basically. Like, there's a part where we were driving around in a car, and I put on an album that was, like, one of these, um, uh, Field Auto, which is, um, basically, like, the vibe, I think this is just how it was produced, is that it was just, like, musicians just, like, who are friends, mm-hmm. hanging out at, like, Christmas time, mm-hmm. and just recording songs, and then they, were like, released an album, and if you, like, buy it, the booklet just has, like, recipes for things that they cook yeah right like it's like this album has this very like some of them just feel like it was christmas time and he was just hanging out in a studio and recorded something right it it doesn't um (laughs) i don't have the credits um they're not on wikipedia i imagine the credits for this album are like pretty lengthy well there's two directions it can go it's either made by like four people or it's made by like 80 people yeah but it's very much just like oh well you know uh Rick Moody was just around, and so we recorded uh, with him. I don't know who that is. He just has a blue name on this Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, The other thing is that these are mega Christian songs. Yeah. Um, like, um, there are there is a handful of um original songs on here, and everything that is not original is the most christian um and even things that are original are sometimes pretty christian um uh only at christmas time very christian even if put the lights on the tree is not um yeah and yeah this is just this is i don't i i don't think it's my favorite christmas album because um like christmas gift for you from phil specter and um the Charlie Brown Christmas album are just like these sort of unassailable classics in a way that like there are songs on this that I skip because it's two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a very personally meaningful Christmas album to me. Had you heard any of this stuff before I made you? So I was waiting to say this on the podcast rather mm-hmm. than tell you, 
the very first Suvi and Steven song that I intentionally listened to in its entirety was the Autogynophilia Silence <laughs> <laughs> uh, so of the Lambs one. Um, we manifested that. We made that happen. I'm sure that I've heard other Suvi and Steven songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never like intentionally sought out mm-hmm. any of his music mm-hmm. in a way where I'm like, I'm going to go listen to this. Yeah. Part of this is a product of, I was like a, I think a sophomore in high school in Michigan and just desperately wanting to escape Michigan when he puts out the Michigan album and literally everyone in high school is like, this is incredible. He made a, an album about our state and it's the beginning of this like huge project he's going to do of all the states. But he started with us and everyone was listening to the album. It's about Michigan. And I was like, I don't want to ever listen to a guy who's doing an entire album about the state that I desperately want to escape from. Um, <laughs> And so I, yeah. And then the second one he did was Illinois, which is the the state that I escaped to. So, (laughs) Um, but anyway, yeah. So I like never really sought out. Mm -hmm. I always had like a sense of what he was doing. Yeah. Right. You probably. In in a way where like, also I was listening to this like crew music and being like, I'm getting what he does. Mm -hmm. I'm getting it over here. Yeah. Um, And so I like, I never like did a deep this was the first album from him that i listened to in its entirety ever uh, (laughs) i've now listened to it like 20 times in preparation for this (laughs) my friend jackson did a tweet the other day that uh said um the beatles sound exactly like what a parody band of the beatles who had never listened to the beatles would sound like (laughs) 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 i think sufjan stevens is very similar we're like even if you've never heard sufjan stevens music if i just tell you he's like sad indie boy who got popular in 2005 you know what that sounds like you don't need me to tell you you know (laughs) yeah um and so i think it was like sufjan is just such a like Icelandic-y name too i like <laughs> me also just being deep into this icelandic music scene i just saw this and i was like what what is there f- for me here <laughs> i already have this i've been listening to this for years people need to get on my wavelength <laughs> um um this picture of him at the pitchfork music festival is a lot to take in it um, really <laughs> he has angel wings he has angel wings. um <laughs> very uh biblical I, okay, so I should talk briefly about, like, my experience of Sufjan, because this will tie into, like, why this album is so personally meaningful to me. Um, Probably something that will surprise people listening to this is that, despite him being a sad indie boy from 2005, I did not get into Sufjan until Carrie and Lowell comes out in 2015. I thought it was 2016, wow. So... 2015 is the year that I started listening to Sufjan, um, because Carrie and Lowell is one of the best albums ever made. (laughs) Um, And it's such a weird thing, because I have listened to Carrie and Lowell, like, more times than I can say. I, I love Carrie and Lowell with my entire heart. And have left it for six years, and I don't think I listened to Illinois until last year. <laughs> I've never listened to Michigan. Um, I've never listened to The Age of Ads. There's a lot of Sufjan I don't know. I just have a deep and abiding affection for Carrie and Lowell, and then from Carrie and Lowell, I think in 2015 or 2016, I would have ended up listening to the Christmas stuff and 
it just meant the world to me. And so I've spent a lot of time with these three albums, which these three albums is like six hours of music. Yeah. Because Silver and Gold is also fucking long. Is more musical output than some like entire careers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I like other stuff I've heard of his, but um, I think I come off sometimes like a Sufjan super fan and I'm, I kind of am. I'm a super fan of the stuff I've heard, but I haven't heard. There's vast swaths of it that I've just never listened to. You really love the autogynephilia as well. I do really love... (laughs) I I kind of like it. One, I like the song. I do just like the song, and two, I like that we just manifested that. Yeah, you have a certain personal responsibility for his existence. (laughs) Regs and I, without even meaning to, just the secret, just like our psychic aura, just like manifested... Sufjan Stevens' I Don't Gotta Feel Like a Song in the World. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know what? It would have actually been... Um, it, I wouldn't have even gotten to the Christmas music for a couple of years after. I might have... I might have started listening to the Christmas music in, like, um, 2016. But it, I... So I had a really, like, moving experience with this album where um, it's the Christmas of 2018. Um, Yeah, 2018. I had just finished up college. I was working at this um, coffee shop and didn't really know what I was doing with my life at all. I was living in a new city because I just needed to get out of Kansas. um, And... Yeah, I, like, go to an IHOP by myself, and I'm, like, just, like, listening to this album, and, um, throughout most of my time in college, um, oh, I'll back up to, like, as a kid, I had a very on-again, off-again relationship with Christianity, um, my parents didn't go to church much, except when my mom got cancer, um, and when I was a teenager, I was dating someone who went to church every Sunday, and so I started going to church with her, and that started being, like, a meaningful part of my life. Um, in college, got involved with a church group on campus that um, took advantage of me and, like, everybody that was involved with it in a lot of ways. And so, like, I had this sort of very, like, meaningful relationship with, like, a Christian deity um, that, like just had this very weird, fraught, on-again, off-again relationship. And I was at this, like, really weird, bad part of my life in December 2018. And just, like, listening to this album, and it was just like, ah, like, this is a, like, outlet for a lot of religious feelings. Like, I was, like, feeling, like, all the connection that I had to Christianity. Like, I could feel in this album, and I also was able to, like, let it go a little bit because it was like these songs mean something to me now these songs like connect me to this thing that has been meaningful to me but right now it's just not there at all and it hasn't been there since 2018 um but i just love coming back to this album every year and like connecting to that a little bit you know for two months um that's my story. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I also just really like the songs on the album. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of, 
There's a lot of songs that I would consider bangers. I don't know if his version is always the banger version. Yeah. <laughs> the big one for me is Oh Holy Night. Because, yeah. Like, I don't love his version of Oh Holy Night. I like it. Yeah. But there are a lot of better versions. Because to me, the other is um, Silent Night too. But like Oh Holy Night especially is you need to be singing like you not that you necessarily are but that you believe that you are the best <laughs> singer in the world that's how you have to sing that song yeah for it to be good um it just needs to be the most like straining at the limits of what you can do as a singer mm-hmm. um and for you to have like a fairly high like you have enough mm-hmm. chops to have that inflated self of like you know, inflated yeah. self-importance, but also enough where it's like, yeah, you are the best singer in the choir yeah. at the church. You yeah. are not the best singer in the world. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, you are singing like nobody can sing better than you. <laughs> like you are fucking Mariah Carey. Yeah. <laughs> this is the reason that the Mariah Carey Oh Holy Night is the version of my heart. Because yeah. Mariah Carey, for a long time, maybe still is, the best singer. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> she's fucking Mariah Carey. <laughs> um... The Mariah Carey album, I also is like another Christmas album that I probably like rank higher than this. Um, it's more bangers, but um, you know, I don't ever have a religious experience listening to yeah. Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You." I just think it's a good song. Yeah. Um, I guess that kind of like ties into something I was thinking about when I was listening to this album because. There's a fair amount of this that, like, if what you are in it for is like good performance, mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if Sufyan's got your back, <laughs> right? Um, there's even a song where at the end he's like, "Oh, I really, I really like messed up the singing on that one." <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of like, "Yeah, you kind of did," but like, there's a certain earnestness to that, mm-hmm. right? Of just like. This album gives me so much more than a lot of other albums. This vibe of, like, you are just hanging around with, like, the family and someone is, like, gets on the piano and starts singing. Yeah. And it's not that good, but it's Christmas. So yeah. someone's going to sing Christmas songs. Right? Yeah. This had the, um, the church I was part of is, like, in high school was a very small church. It was, like... It was like 60 people on like Christmas Eve and significantly <laughs> less than 60 people, um, you know, uh, the rest of the year. Um, and this very much has the vibe of like, Ben brought his guitar. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> ben knows Amazing Grace. <laughs> he, he knows um, I saw three ships. <laughs> And that's what we're fucking singing today. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some moments in in this album that I do find actually interesting mm. and not just mm. like... Like, so much of it is kind of just this wash. Like, it's so long. Yes. And it's so much of... Like, a lot of it feels very similar that it kind of just becomes this blend of, like, someone is just singing while you're, like, mm. doing Christmassy things. Yes. Right? Nora, um, <laughs> Nora said to me... Um, she said this to me while we were, while I was listening to your album, The Bells of Dublin, but um, she said that ki- Christmas music is kind of like a candle to her, where she's not actually like listening to it. It's mm-hmm. just like setting the mood. It's just like, 
ah, I'm relaxing. I'm listening to Christmas music. I've got a candle yeah. going. <laughs> I'm not yeah. like, I'm not like standing there and like sniffing and being like, oh, I'm getting notes of mahogany from this candle yeah. right now. <laughs> um, there, there are a few moments and all of it too is I like put it on and then even if I'm trying to actively listen to this album, I just, it's an album that you do not actively listen to. And so mm-hmm. I just fade out of that mode. But then I think the biggest thing is, so two of my favorite, like very religious mm. Christmas songs is Low However Rose They Are Blooming. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of Sufian's version. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also like David Sly's, which we'll get mm-hmm. to when we get to my section, is like in my heart, the best version mm-hmm. always. There, There's so much sadness in that song and that's why I love it. Um, but the other one is, um, I'm like, yeah, sorry. I'm like forgetting the, the name as I'm talking. What Child Is This? Mm-hmm. Um, which is also just green sleeves, but I love that song. Mm. It's just a really good, like it's a really old folk melody, but it's yeah. just a great melody. Yeah. Um, and on the, the, the time that it comes up in the like volume two section, what shell is this anyway? It just has this part where it just like devolves into like actual playing around with music and not just covering a song, which so much of this album is. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite parts in it because then it also goes into Bring a Torch, um, Jeanette Isabella, which mm-hmm. I also just enjoy as a, a song that like follows up mm-hmm. the whole dev- devolving of What Shall Is This Anyway? But it's like the one big moment that just like stands out to me of like, oh, that was really, that was interesting. This whole second <laughs> um, section from Angels We Have Heard on High down to Bring a Torch, Jeanette Isabella is by far the strongest part of the album, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and those last two songs on it are just... Yeah. And I, I, I guess I would start that just a smidge earlier, because I thought this started with Amazing Grace. I really love this Amazing version. Grace is such a use, especially because this is so country. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing Grace is always a little country, but this is a very country yes. version, too. This is a very... The only way that, like... The Sufjan version of Amazing Grace gets more country is if Sufjan, like, breaks out a baritone I've never heard him do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, I really love his version of Amazing Grace. And then Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing is genuinely one of my favorite songs ever recorded. <laughs> like, yeah. this version of that song just is everything to me. Um, the, like, I think the, like, you know move to the acapella um in the final eight bars is like so such a cheap emotion grabbing thing that like works so yeah. well <laughs> yeah. um, i i like the um i like the songs that he does in here um put the lights on the tree is fun and only at christmas time is um sad in the right way and also is like short so it's not like too bad if you don't like it <laughs> yeah um, it is always interesting where you can tell when the Sufian songs happen. Yes, yes. You can tell. Yes. You know. <laughs> it's always this little blip of like, oh, we're having a song that's like specifically about how your dad sucks or something. Like, <laughs> this isn't one of the traditional ones. Um, <laughs> I, year round, year round, even when I, like, you know, June and I haven't listened to this album in months. Every now and then, I will just get, it's Christmas, let's be glad, a promotion for your <laughs> dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the worst Christmas ever, is also just a, like extremely like, man, Christmas does really suck sometimes. 
Um, this is why Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is one of my favorite Christmas songs, because that is a song about how, you know what? We do all these happy Christmas songs, but sometimes Christmas fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, the best versions of that song are when you sing the line, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, in the way that, like... Uh, church ladies say like bless your heart in a way that means fuck you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I just um, I love this album a lot and um, it's like not a thing where yeah I don't I've listened to this album so many goddamn times that I do listen to certain tracks a little more actively but like for a long time this was like a i'm not paying attention and now when i do listen to tracks more actively it's because i'm like man i don't like anybody's version of little drummer boy let me just skip this <laughs> i don't i don't like david bowie and bing crosby doing little yeah. drummer, drummer boy. <laughs> if david bowie can't sell you little drummer boy then who the fuck can <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bad Christmas song. It's just a bad song. Um, but this is another moment that makes me miss David, just because whenever a little drummer boy would come on, he would go <laughs> switch this. What's okay? The worst religious Christmas song is "Little Drummer Boy," and worst secular Christmas song is "Simply Having." Yeah. <laughs> Both of them have very similar vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Where Little Drummer Boy sucks because it is so repetitive in the same way that uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time is. <laughs> yeah. Um, God. Sufjan doing it, like, his very, like, indie folk, <laughs> is so terrible. <laughs> it's god-awful. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's any stuff on Silver and Gold that stands out to me in the same way that, like, certain parts of this. I like Silver and Gold, but I definitely... I never listen to Silver and Gold as much as I listen to this, and I don't know, um... I couldn't tell you why that is. Um, I should listen to that version of Auld Lang Syne again. Um, I like Auld Lang Syne a lot, but for Batman reasons. Um, there's a version of Have Yourself a Merry Little... I should listen to Silver and Gold, I guess. Because I, I know I have heard it, but none of these are ringing any bells. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll have to check it out. I've... Again, there's only Sufi. one Sufian album that I've listened to <laughs> in its entirety, and I've now listened to it 20 times. Because that's how I prep for these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's maybe all I had to say, is that, like... There are other Christmas albums that mean a lot to me, but um, this is the one that means a lot to me. And also, like, for just, like, five minutes, I'm like, maybe I believe in Jesus Christ as our savior <laughs> still. <laughs> and then I stopped listening to this. I'm like, I don't know that I still believe that. But, you know, it was yeah. nice to have that feeling again for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, should we move on to the Bells of Dublin? Sure. Um, Let me, or are you pulling up? I am pulling it up. I feel like the Bells of Dublin is always older than I think. Every time I look at when it came out, I'm always like, that is older than I thought. It is precisely as old as I thought because um, I just saw the release date at some point and was like, that's the release date. 
Or no, so the thing is, it's not that it's older than I thought, but that there are recordings. So if you look in the the booklet, um, mm-hmm. this was like produced over like a long period of time. So there are stuff that was recorded in okay. like 86 or something. Okay. And that's the part that always surprises me. Okay. Um, I think there's even stuff that was recorded before that. Um, people, real quick, people don't know this, and I guess you're experiencing it for the first time. When I'm recording podcasts remotely um, or doing this where I have to look up Wikipedia and like I always want to play with my hands. And so I just do this constantly while yeah, I'm recording podcasts up and, down. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep wanting to do that. And you're like, oh, I needed to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the best was when you did it right when I was about to read the track name and <laughs> you doing it like completely cleared it from my head. Um, <laughs> anyway, The Bells of Dublin by the Chieftains released in Until they explode There'll be laughter and tears Over tea and movies Mixed up with that drink Made from girders Cause it's all we got left As they draw their last breath out It's nice for the kids As you finally get rid of them In the St. Stephen's Day Criticize the great big Kippertai. He's about to baptize with his gin flavored whispers and kisses of sherry. His best crimble shirt slung out over the shop while the lights from the Christmas tree blow up the telly. His face closes in like an old cold pork chop. And the carcass of the beast left over from the feast may still be found haunting the kitchen. And there's life in it, yet we may live to regret. When the ones that we pause and stop twitching There'll be laughter and tears over tea and movies Mixed up with that drink made from the girls Cause it's all we got left as they draw the last breath out It's nice for the kids as you finally get rid of them And the St. Stephen's Day murders (laughs) 
I'm like, where do exactly do I start with this album? I guess I can I can talk about like what this album means to me. Yeah. Which is, I feel like I talked about this some on the first time that I showed up on Hot Singles. Because um, we were talking about the Jenny Fall album. Um, and there's some stuff about there about like being in church choir and stuff. So when I was like in middle school and high school, I was in the church choir. Um, and especially throughout high school, I was going through a lot of shit where I was just like extremely depressed. Um, and so I was still going to church. And so the David Sly was the, the like, I forget, choir director for, for the church. Um, and was a friend of the family. Like we, after church every Sunday, we would get lunch with him unless there was like something else happening. But it was like, mm. usually we would go with him to the Chinese restaurant we were all friends with the people who ran the Chinese restaurant and we would all have like lunch with mm. him. Um, he would take me to movies all the time and like me and my brothers. Um, he was just like a big part of my life. Um, he was single, didn't have like, you know, wasn't married, didn't really have family. Like I think he had a, a sister, but the sister lived far away. So we were kind of his family. Mm. Um, and, so there's just a lot of like, like it was almost just like an uncle vibe who like lives in the same town as you and is just there mm. all the time. Mm. That is the vibe. Um, and so he was a important like person in my life. Um, and he was a phenomenal pianist mm -hmm. and organist. Um, a very good, like over the top singer. If he wanted to, he could, he could dial it back, but if he really wanted to like belt out, the um like he he would do the um what is it the boar's head mm, song he mm -hmm. could like really play that up mm -hmm. there there was the best singer in the choir who would do old holy, holy night and this is part of why i'm like you need someone who's like a little too full of their shit singing it <laughs> um because that was like part of the experience of of going to the christmas service is that the the best soloist in the choir would go and sing mm -hmm. um it was a much larger church my dad was the pastor. I think I've also talked about this, but um, so my dad's a Methodist pastor, and then that's why we were also friends with the, you know, mm -hmm. um, church choir director. Um, and so throughout high school, in particular, I am going mm -hmm. through a lot of shit and just completely losing any sense of faith that I have um, with like God or Jesus or anything. Mm -hmm. um, in this way that like I I was taught this stuff growing up. Um, my dad actually, because he grew up in like a atheist agnostic household was atheist throughout most of his like high school and, um, undergrad, and then took a comparative religion class, um, his senior year and realized that religion didn't have to be like what he thought it was mm -hmm. and went to seminary and became a pastor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the complete opposite experience a lot of people have with comparative yeah. religion um he found god <laughs> um but because of that he always like thought it was important that people have their own spiritual journey mm -hmm. but i think also always hoped and wanted us to like mm -hmm. find god he mm -hmm. just thought that like he couldn't force it that's not how it works that's not like how genuine faith happens is that your like parents force it on you mm -hmm. um so i was falling out of faith i was starting to find a little bit of Taoism, but it was still like extremely just this like philosophical 
way of looking at the world and not anything that like gave me any sort of spiritual grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I graduated and went to undergrad um, and David Sly died suddenly. Um, and so he, he died of like complications related to diabetes. And it was a thing where he was in the hospital, but like nobody thought he was going to die. The doctors didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just like sudden and unexpected. Um, When they called to tell me, when my parents called to tell me, I thought that it was my grandma had died because she was battling cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, This experience then happened again. Both both times were I was asleep and I was woken up by a phone call in the morning. Mm -hmm. Once was David Sly's dead and I thought it was my grandma. Mm -hmm. And then it was your nephew who's like two and a half, like my toddler's age now. Mm -hmm died (laughs) Mm -hmm. um which was also completely unexpected it was just like a genetic mutation that he just stopped breathing Mm -hmm. um and i'm I'm bringing this in because then my grandma dies also all of this is like going into christmas season when this stuff is happening um and so it was over two years but um the first was david sly and throughout this whole process i was like you know I I was falling out of faith with, like, God, but when I would still go to church and I would hear the music, I still felt something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that was, but I was feeling something when I was listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, something that I was still holding on to, and I wasn't going to church all the time anymore, but I would go for the holidays, right? Um, and after David died, I went, and I just didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was just sadness because it wasn't him playing, I mm-hmm. think. But also, like... Somehow, because it wasn't him, I didn't feel any connection anymore. Um, and then this just intensified as like more deaths happened, mm-hmm. um, just a, in a series of, of years. Um, and growing up, like Christmas was my favorite time of the year. Uh, it was for multiple reasons. One was that my dad worked all the time and my mm-hmm. mom worked all the time. And Christmas, my mom would always be off and she wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And my dad would have to do services, but because he was doing services, he was able to like more put his foot down of like, hey, if someone like dies, I'll get to it tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. I want to have Christmas time. I think some of it too is like my birthdays, he might get a phone call and have to go and deal with like someone died or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just me, but this was like all of us. It's a family. It's Christmas. I'm going to do it. So Christmas was also like the time that all of the family was together in a way that just never really happened. Yeah. Um, and so I really liked Christmas and then suddenly it was just like all the magic was disappearing um, and people were dying in my life and then mm-hmm. Christmas would come and I would just think about how people weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this just like had this part of like I made a, a mixtape that um, is just all about like how Christmas comes and I just feel hollow and empty. Um and so for a while, that was just like my experience of, of Christmas um, was that I just like completely fallen out of faith. I'd completely fallen out of any connection I had to any of this stuff. Um, Christmas would come and I was like extremely depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, going from this is my favorite holiday. Yeah. Um, and so after like a couple of years of this, I was like, I don't have any sort of ritual anymore in my life. I don't have any sort of holidays that I'm celebrating anymore. I'm like considering myself a Taoist, but that is like purely this like philosophical, like the only practice I have is like, I meditate sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I really intentionally wanted to like build in rituals and holidays and things again. 
and I went through this process of at first I was I was um this is like when I became a vegetarian slash vegan. Um, and I was doing it on the lunar calendar. There's like a Taoist way of it where there are certain days when you can eat meat and there are certain days where you can't. And it's like based on the phases of the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely annoying for everyone to deal with because no one ever knew when I could and could not <laughs> eat meat. Um, this is one of the reasons why I stopped being a vegetarian is that I hated telling people, I'm sorry, I can't eat what you made me because I can't eat meat today. Yeah. Um, it was just a miserable Last experience. week, could yeah. have. This week, no. <laughs> um, but also, as I was looking at the holidays, I was like, it just feels, one, it feels weird and like appropriative to just mm-hmm. like take on these Chinese holidays because I'm a Taoist now. Mm-hmm. Um, that felt strange and weird. And then also there was like no grounding in holidays that like i had as a kid or that other people were celebrating um and so what i ended up doing was saying okay let me look at what these holidays are about mm-hmm. in taoism and a lot of it is about like the changing of the seasons mm-hmm. um and a lot of it is also about like reflecting on your your ancestors and your you know where you came from and where you're going and all of this um and so I, what i said was well okay like my dad's from germany my mom's irish like i should just look at the German and Irish holidays, which is the grounding of like the Wiccan wheel Mm -hmm. holidays. Um, like this like pagan wheel thing. And a lot of those are like Christian holidays are based around them. Mm -hmm. Um, Easter is like based on Ostara, like, you know, Christmas is like set during Yule. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, I can like use this to pull the stuff together. So that's when I started doing this. And then I was like, Basically, the the big thing is when I started then doing this, and I was like, okay, I'm going to celebrate Yule as this thing that I'm doing that's like at Christmas time. I'm like still kind of trying to have it be this way that I'm observing it that I that I think is important for me. Um, and I remembered I never really listened to Bells of Dublin, but it was one of the favorite albums of David Sly, and so I was like, I'm going to go listen to this album. Um, and so it became like the big thing where I was listening to it and I was like, oh, like there are moments in this where, especially when the Renaissance singers come in, mm-hmm. um, it feels like the church choir to me. Yes. Um, yes. and it feels like the church choir at like the church because like David was like striving for this kind of church choir. Mm-hmm. The old holy night on this with Ricky Lee Jones is appropriately like yeah. over the top, but yes. also not the best singer. Yes. But, but thinking that she's the best singer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like all of this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also there's just like these jigs and things that are just fun. Yeah. Um, plus there are still these moments, especially when I was early on getting into it, where like St. Stephen's Day Murders is a song about how Christmas fucking sucks sometimes <laughs> and you hate being around your family. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I will let you talk a little bit now that I've yeah. brought in yeah. you you like Elvis Costello. I have more thoughts on this, but I'm yeah. going to bring you back in because <laughs> I've just been ranting. No, you're good. You're good. I, I realized um, that like I didn't, and I could probably keep this a little briefer than um you talking about your experiences with christmas but probably yeah. not that much briefer <laughs> and i probably should have mentioned all this during the sufian segment but that wasn't Go what was on it. my mind um i very much my parents got divorced at a very young age and my dad is like has always been hardcore richard dawkins bill maher type atheist yeah um and my mom is christian but like 
will like go like four years without going to church and then like when she got cancer was going to church a bunch and then fell off again and then got back you know, very like on again off again relationship was your, was your mom what in my dad would refer to as a c and e christian which she is, was, you show she, up on christmas and easter and also when like your family's going through really tough shit she is these days for a few for when i was really young when i was really young she just didn't go to church like period yeah. um except i guess she was a C&E because like um we would go when we were with my grandma that was yeah. the thing um so which was usually around christmas and easter yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was not like a thing um and my mom liked christmas a lot but like in like she really liked doing santa claus stuff and then once i didn't believe in santa anymore she's like well i i I guess i'll put up a tree i don't really care yeah (laughs) my dad like doing actively antagonistic like things (laughs) toward holiday traditions where so one year my grandma had gotten him because his birthday is in october had gotten him a cpr dummy for his birthday for some reason i don't remember why And so for Christmas that year, he, like, made a crucifix out of, like, two-by-fours he got at Home Depot and, like, put the CPR dummy up on the crucifix. <laughs> and that was our Christmas yeah. tree one year. <laughs> or, like, the the year after that, I remember, like, he, my dad is a landlord, and one of the places that um, he leases out to people, um, he, like, took a was replacing the toilet and so he had like this spare toilet in our house and he's like oh i'll put this up this is our christmas tree fuck jesus had a very weird relationship with christmas as a kid <laughs> yeah um yeah we were in this household like i was putting up my christmas tree today um and you were like yeah my dad once put a toilet out for christmas and i was like your dad is fucking weird yeah um, yeah he's a fucking weirdo yeah um so and so that even like once i found a relationship with christianity um like christmas was like a thing that mattered to me kind of but still was not like a big part of my life in any meaningful way i don't think like i um you know like it just it was like oh this is a, a special time of year but it's not like these days where i feel like christmas is like november 1st i wake up and i'm in christmas mode for two months of my life yeah. <laughs> you know um and the <laughs> this is so fucking dorky you're gonna laugh at me <laughs> you're going to roast me um i was going through all this stuff like leaving undergrad and um i think even before leaving undergrad i was starting to like feel this um, where I was like, man, I want Christmas to be special because because of these religious reasons and because of all this stuff, but it just doesn't feel that special to me. And for years now, for probably eight years now, I have been listening to a podcast, War Rocket Ajax, every single week. And um, those guys are like, November 1st, it's Christmas. <laughs> those guys are hardcore christmas people (laughs) and i was like that sounds fun they seem like they're having a good time doing that i will also just adopt christmas into my life in the same way that the war rocket ajax guys have 
Um, which is how, like, I got so into, um, all this, like, Christmas music. Um, and it is why I, like, it's why I have, like, a kind of eclectic taste in Christmas music, because I'm just like, well, I just like Christmas music because I need to find some way to fill two months of my life with a bunch of different cool. types of music. And so when you were like, here's a traditional Irish folk album of Christmas <laughs> music, I was like, great, I don't listen to any traditional Irish music. This yeah. is amazing. Because <laughs> this is actually, um, in some ways, to get, to get back to Elvis Costello, which is why you threw to me, um, my dad is very big into like, quote unquote, like roots music, um, and like traditional music from like a lot of different places. Um, we would always listen to, um, there's a radio show on KCUR, the NPR affiliate station in Kansas city, um, that would just play like this week we're doing Irish music next week. We're doing Zydeco. The week after that, Irish music. <laughs> the week after that, blues. You know, this is like what my dad likes listening to. And my dad is also a huge Elvis Costello fan because the secret is that Elvis Costello is a roots music singer just yeah. in the in the guise of like a punk rock guy, kind of, sort of, halfway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I heard Stephen say Murders. I'm like, this sounds like every song I listened to as a child. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Letting a cat in. Come on, Lynn. Um, St. Stephen's Day Murders, one of the best Christmas songs. I yeah. love that shit. <laughs> um, I just think Elvis Costello is an incredible singer. Um, and this is just... I could tell that he wrote this, because it just sounds yeah. like all of his songs. <laughs> This is the first Elvis Costello song that I've heard, and mm -hmm. still one of the only ones I've listened to with, like, any, you know, repeated attention, I guess. I, I was briefly named after an Elvis Costello song before I decided to go with Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, uh, really taken with this album, really taken with the way that this album reminds me of not not my church services. My god, cat. <laughs> we just let you in. We just let you in. Um hi. <laughs> um obviously no one at my church services in high school was playing like traditional Irish music, but there was especially around Christmas when you had the bigger congregation. Um you know, this guy gets up and he is like playing his guitar and singing this way. And then the next guy gets up and he's on his piano. And then the whole choir gets up and they do this. And the choir is like 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sit back down and the pastor gets up and like tells you like on this night in Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone else like is like, Someone else is like just sings a cappella for a while. It is just like a it's church service of like everybody here has a different way of playing music, but a lot of these people know how to play music and it's Christmas, so everybody just gets a turn. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> and <laughs> the the way the particular way that this album is eclectic just um <clears throat> really hit close to home, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um some of this too also like 
part of why this album works so well for me is that there are also moments like a lot of this album is stuff that i might hear in church Mm -hmm. um but then like you know there'd be the church service where we're gonna have the like renaissance singer songs on here Mm -hmm. um we're going to have like the these various more like religious songs but then david sly would also do every year would plan this like huge feast that would happen at the church where there'd be tons of different food you would go and there was like lots of performances and it was all like the boar's head style stuff Mm -hmm. it was all this like very like kind of over the top performative but like it was the stuff that you would drink to in a way that you're like not drinking to Oh Holy Night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you drink to The Boar's Head. The yeah. Boar's Head is a song where you're yeah. getting drunk and you're eating food. Yeah. Um, and it has that like mix of stuff. Um, one of the other things that, that is really interesting to me with this, especially as I was first coming into it, is that I think all Christmas music is in, uh, inherently a little bit corny. Yes. And... What I really appreciate about this is that the songs on this that also feel like Christmas sucks are also very corny. Mm-hmm. Like St. Stephen's Day Murders is still a corny song. Yes. <laughs> um, and then also the Rebel Jesus, which is by Jackson Brown, which is the one that's most from my perspective of this, like, yeah. I'm a pagan, like, my Taoist beliefs are like... I hate when people compare the Tao to God because I don't think that's actually a, a fair comparison. That's not what the Tao is mm-hmm. within Taoism. Um, it is not like a, a God in the same way and like trying to do this like coexist. Everybody believes in some version of God is actually like taking away some of what Taoism is actually talking about yeah. for me. Um, but it, it is the sign that's talking about like, hey, here's this like more pagan perspective. Here's this like what I want is just like for people to be taken care of and for like the environment to be good and things Mm -hmm. like that. And that like, there are all these people who like profess to follow Jesus. And I feel like Jesus would actually be more on my side than like the rich Mm -hmm. dentist who's going to my church and driving a like, you know, a beamer or whatever. And like, uh, that guy's driving a Tesla now. Yeah. (laughs) Driving a Tesla. (laughs) Definitely. Um, and is telling me that I need, uh, braces, uh, that I absolutely need them. It's not just a cosmetic thing. I need them. Um, and then I go to another person. And they're like, no, you're, you have gaps. It's purely aesthetic. It's not the same as like yeah. crowding. Anyway, because um, you just wanted more money. Yeah. 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 Fuck that guy. Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about at this point about a very specific guy in the church who also, by the way, was the guy who sang Oh Holy Night. <laughs> um, just tying it all together. The, the rebel Jesus hit close to home for me because... Um, both in high school and in uh, college, went to churches that were, like, for lack of a better term, like, very, like, oriented toward, like, quote-unquote social justice, like, where part of believing in Christ is not just that we come here and we pray and we feel better about ourselves, but that, like, and not just trying to go out and, like, convert other people or whatever, but also part of that is, like, you know, being involved in churches that were like going to black lives matter protests in 2014 and sort of these sorts of things, yeah. you know? Um, and so the rebel Jesus is like a very corny song, but in a way where like 
every pastor I've ever like had any sort of connection with is corny in this way. Yeah. Would be like that song fucking whips. Yeah. My dad is corny in this way. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the theology of so many people I knew that I'm yeah. like, yeah, that song's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so part of it too is like when I listened to this album, I realized that me hating Christmas, like me being in this mode of, I was struggling with like, you know, all the stuff that like was going on originally that I fell out of out of Christianity, and then also like the de- these deaths and things, and then I had this like for a few years this extremely like, Christmas sucks, fuck Christmas, why are people mm. happy? Don't people know that like, you know, oh like suicide rates skyrocket during Christmas? Mm-hmm. Why are people celebrating? Um, that was me for like a good two two three years. Yeah. Um, and I, I listened to this album and I was like, oh, that is also just as like corny and put upon of a reaction yeah. to Christmas. There's no way to be brain normal about Christmas. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you think you are like, <laughs> I just don't think there is a way to be brain normal about Christmas. Like you either are like all in or you're like Christmas sucks or you're just like trying to like have an ambivalent, but like Christmas is a thing that you have to have an opinion on. Yes. In a way that like nobody just like yes. is allowed to just not have an opinion on yes. Christmas. Right? Yeah. Even if you're not Christian. Yeah. If you're Jewish, you still have to have like your opinion on Christmas yes. and how it relates to your holiday or whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> I had I had a coworker um this year, I walked in on November first, like, let's fucking go. It's Christmas time. I shouldn't clap on a podcast. Um <laughs> Like, November 1st, I walked in, I was opening that day, and I was like, I'm so fucking happy for Christmas time, and a, a Jewish coworker of mine was like, can you please shut the fuck up? <laughs> She's like, I do not want to have to deal with this for the next... And I was like, okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't care about Christmas, she was just like... And I was just like... I'm not, it's not even a religious thing. I just love Christmas. And she's like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we are two people who love Chris, Christmas and aren't like super religious people. Um, it's just a fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love putting up a tree. I love decorating it. Yeah. Um, I love drinking hot cocoa while I do it. Um, I love making Lebkuchen and Roladen mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Christmas baby please come home probably the best song best, best pop song ever written or recorded uh and this is the time of year where I can just listen to it and cry as mountain as I want to mm-hmm. so um listen to, look forward to the uh episode of export audio that's coming out tomorrow where I put that at the start <laughs> of the episode because uh I like it yeah <laughs> um anyway I'm not gonna let you get away from talking about the bells of Dublin without talking about how the Wexford Carol is just a country it's song. it's just a country song <laughs> I didn't hear it until you said it to me and I was like oh yeah you're right because I was literally like I really like the Wexford Carol and you're like it's just a country song and I was like you're right <laughs> yeah um the Wexford Carol in particular is the most like oh yeah there's a lot of Irish music in country Yes. Um, I You should maybe listen to, and I hadn't heard that, I hadn't heard it until just this year, um, Light of the Stable, the Emmy Lou Harris um, Christmas album, which one, I think, without meaning to, I think draws the connections between, like, traditional Irish music and country music. And two, like, there's just a way that, like, Nancy Griffith and Emmy Lou Harris, like, there is just a mode if you if you're a soprano that is very easy to fall into that is just 
everything country music <laughs> is to me. <laughs> yeah. Phoebe Bridgers has a um like uh has a cover of If We Make It Through the If We Make It Through December, the Merle Haggard song. Um and I'm just like I was listening to it this year and I was like, right, if you have a soprano of a certain range, I feel like you probably just have to grow up listening to country music because like it is just a way that you can learn to be very expressive with that type of soprano that Phoebe Bridgers and Emmy Lou Harris and Nancy Griffith all have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> um, it's a great song. I also just love the medley towards the end of yes. um, like the Wren's Day stuff. The, the, the Wren and the Furs where it just like is like someone stomping and clapping and someone else kind of like sing talking sort of. Yeah. I, I really liked that. It's um, a lot of fun. And I, I just like Wednesday as like, so St. Stephen's day for people that don't know is like very similar to boxing day as mm-hmm. the day after Christmas. Um, but in some like more folky parts of Ireland, instead of St. Stephen's day, it's Wednesday, um, which is the, the Ren or the Ran is like the more Irish way that you'll mm-hmm. hear them say on this album. Um, and it's basically this day where like poor people go around and harass rich people, which is why I love it. It's a great <laughs> fucking holiday. It's like the inverse. Cause like boxing day is like, Oh, we like take the stuff that we don't want and we give it away to the poor. And that's like very St. Stephen's day. St. Stephen's day is like, we have a feast and we like go through and we put stuff in boxes to give to the poor and like, Oh, charity. And Wednesday is like the opposite side. It's the poor people side where you're just like, give us fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much of what Ren's Day is. Like, I'm here. I killed a fucking bird. Can you give me some food? <laughs> Fuck you. It's such a good holiday. <laughs> um, and like, I just love those songs. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, um, I just have a lot of affection for like this album and especially those songs. Um, and so even though my toddler was born in summer, the very first song that I ever sang to them was the Ren of the Ren He's the king of all birds, and since mm-hmm. he wins day, he got caught in the furs, and he's up with the kettle, and he's down with the pen. Mm-hmm. Would you give me a penny for the berry they're in? Because it's just such an easy thing mm-hmm. to do, because it's just this patter. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you have, like, a newborn, you just need to, like, have a thing that you're doing that's just, like, a repetitive thing that you can just pull out. And so then when they're, like, crying and upset, you just start doing it. Mm-hmm. And then they just, like, it's something familiar. And so I just started doing it. Um Part of it too is I'll tell you the other reason. It's a it's a like cute reason, but I don't want to say it on a podcast. That's fair. But <clears throat> um, I do. It's just like that has made me love the song even more because I just would sing it sometimes. I when really my was growing. Speaking of like that, <laughs> well, my newborn at the time. Yeah. Um. Speaking of that, I, when I was listening to um, I saw three ships of Salem, um, the Marianne Faithful version on this album. That had such the energy, and it, this is not what's happening here, but it had the energy of Marianne Faithful like leads the Sunday school class on the stage, and they all sing "I Saw Three yeah. Ships" <laughs> because there's just a very like precise rhythmic way that she's doing it, and it's a very like bouncy way that I feel like you could teach a bunch of seven year olds to sing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really I like. Um, I really like her version as opposed to the Sufjan version, which is like as somber as all Sufjan songs are. And it's like, yeah, it's not that serious. <laughs> um, yeah. I also like the, that there's a few songs on this that are in just like, you know, the actual traditional languages. 
Uh-huh. Um, which it's like what track four and track five, I think. Yes. Or it depends on track five is the one that starts with like um, a sermon almost. Yeah. Um, and then gets into like and that singing in Irish. I believe. The yeah, the track five is um, specifically the the part that's like feels like a sermon is the someone reading an english translation of it mm-hmm. and then we actually get the song um, oh okay yeah um and yeah so like having this like beautiful irish song is great um and then the i'm not going to try and do the the french ones but i guess it's specifically um the what's what's the area of um there's like a specific french speaking area of canada that is not quebec um, it's like where like Kate Beaton grew up. No idea. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like specifically in that dialect. Um, so Kate Beaton being the person who does funny comics on the internet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I th- I thought that was um, it, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, she she is known for. I'm just like looking her up now. Um, Nova Scotia. Right. Yeah. Um, she like had a series of comics that were like her going back to Nova Scotia and huh. working on a whatever um but yeah there's like a a very specific version of um french that i think actually has some irish influence Hmm. um and so yeah that's the yeah i just was um, trying to remember what she'd been working on other than hark a vagrant yeah um i mean hark a vagrant's her big thing yeah i love hark a vagrant it's good um yeah i like just having those songs too, where it's just like, oh, it's like getting real folky right now. Yes, it's great. <laughs> yes, um, um, especially the Donia. I I don't. You don't feel confident in your. Yeah, I know Donia, but mm. um, I always forget how to do the the U with the accent and D, um, and then Bethel, which is Bethlehem. Um, but anyway, um. That one in particular, like, hits for me because, um, so my family's from Donegal, which is a, a, it's like, it's not Northern Ireland, but it's like the, right next to it, basically. Uh, it's like north of the, of Ireland, not the Mm -hmm. separate, uh, part that is, you know, still controlled by the UK. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um... You can say and, occupied. Yeah, occupied by the <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, and and so and that is an area where like Irish is spoken mm-hmm. more than like if you go to Dublin. Um and so like I have a very Irish name. Yeah. Um and like I, I have friends up there who have Irish names that people in Dublin mm-hmm. would have trouble saying because it's like a rare Irish name. So mm-hmm. um it's just nice to like hear Irish being sung mm-hmm. as someone who doesn't really speak it a lot, but is like familiar with the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I know how to see, say um, like Yahana and stuff, which is the, the Eve before Salon. Um, but yeah, it's a good album. It's a good album. I liked it a lot. I, was... I mean, it's a corny album, but that's what Christmas is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Christmas is corny. There's no way to escape it. Yeah, no, I, I I really enjoyed this because the 
the stuff in my wheelhouse is much more like American pop music Christmas. And so I was like, just very glad to like, oh, this is just something fucking different. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm happy to listen to the Mar- Mariah Carey Christmas album a hundred times more. I'm going to do it, but it was nice to just mix things up a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's probably everything I got. Yeah. It's probably my favorite Christmas album other than the one that David Sly recorded. But that's not one that I'm going to do in a podcast because no one can listen to it unless you have the CD that was <laughs> like self-published, basically. You were um, playing it a little bit earlier. It's good. Yeah. It's just piano. Yeah. But, um, God, it, it did. I, I Before I knew what you were playing, because I just heard you put on Christmas music, and I was just like, you know, if we're listening to Christmas music on piano, we could be listening to Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I do um, like when those kids sing O Ten yeah. At some at some point I should just like get you a copy or something and then just have you really listen to Low How I Row is Because mm-hmm. it's a great version of it. Yeah. Um the thing is it's like such just like a, a twinkly piano album that it's like very easy to put on the background and just be like, Oh, it's just mm. happening. Um, but especially Aloha Rosier, I mean, he like the way that he messes with the tempo throughout the song is really good. Um, <sighs> um plugs. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Fox Momnia on Twitter or uh, Garfred Aloud. You can listen to Ghost Divers by going to exportaudio slash Ghost Divers. Or you can listen to our podcast, and this is where I'll throw to you, Ornate Stairwells. Yeah, Ornate Stairwells, which you can get a week early by going to exportodd.io and giving us a dollar a month. That's the Patreon. You get Ornate Stairwells early. You get this podcast early. You get Bag End Book Club. You get Gotham City Limits. Um, Honestly, you should charge more than a dollar. Honestly, we should. Yeah. Patreon, you get a lot. Patreon um, <laughs> tells us that you shouldn't charge people a dollar. Patreon is like, you should always charge people $2 because people are less likely to unsubscribe or something. I don't care. It's a dollar. A lot of people give us a lot more than a dollar, and we appreciate all those people. Um, um, Nora and I have just moved, and so one, your Patreon money is helping us a lot right now, as our income is shaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, um, I think, it, you know... In the coming year, like, we want to look at, like, okay, we do all this for $1 patrons. We're not doing anything for $5 patrons right now. So look out for, like, some changes coming to the Patreon. I'm not making any promises because Nora and I are just like, we want to change things up. But we haven't talked about it beyond that, really. Yeah. Um, um, what else? At some point there, I don't know what feed this is going in. We're doing the... You talk to me about Taoism podcasts. Yeah, that, I don't know when we're recording, and it's like that one has no time. That might just that, ju- that might just be like a Patreon app. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess like the follow up to this podcast is that like you're going to ex- quote unquote explain Taoism. To me. Yeah, or at least I, that's my understanding and version. That of is a juvenile like explanation of what I think we want to do with that episode but yeah because yeah. here's a here's a spoiler for it um Taoism doesn't really have clear centralization like a lot of religions and so there's like a million different versions of mm-hmm. it. um 
Some might say every single practitioner of Taoism is practicing a slightly different version of it. This is, and that is perhaps part of an understanding of Taoism is that everyone has its own, everyone has their own relationship with it. Coming out of a religious situation where I felt like there was a lot of pressure on me, and I was like not a good member of the congregation if I didn't convert people, quote unquote, um, whatever that meant. Um, uh, this is an attractive thing to for yeah. me about Taoism is like, oh, cool. There's like no pressure to make other people care about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no pressure to like convert people. Yeah. Also, there's like a heavy emphasis on like, yeah, some people might be actually really good at practicing Taoism and not even know that they're doing it. And that's actually better than telling someone to be a Taoist and like yeah. having them become one. Yeah. Um, the thing that was always meaningful for me about Christianity was like my connection with Jesus and like the way that I connected to him through music and, you know, all these sorts of things. And then like going to service and being like, well, you have to bring somebody else with you next week because like we need, you know, get these numbers up. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> the metrics were pivoting to video. <laughs> the, the part that about it that is sometimes frustrating is just that there's like very little, like there isn't, there aren't churches generally for Taoism. Mm -hmm. Like the closest I have is I used to go to Tai Chi classes before COVID and I would hang out with a bunch of old people who did not be really believe in Taoism, but were doing Tai Chi. And in that way, we're practicing a certain relationship with Taoism. And so mm -hmm. I would just hang out with them in FT and be friends with some <laughs> like 50 and 60 and 70 year olds. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that'll be sooner or later. Yeah. Probably within 2021, but probably not much sooner than that, you know? Yeah. Um, I was going to say one other thing. Oh, yeah, Twitter, at a tumble underscore coffee. Normally, this is where I would be like, Nia, what are you bringing next week? But that's not what we're yeah. doing. This is like a weird we, special episode. Do we know what... Like, I, have, I yeah. have no idea. I, I will text them and ask them, but yeah. I have no idea what... They, you know what? They might have said on Twitter. Let me see. Regression um, with three S's. Yeah. We'll Don't see. forget the third S on Twitter. I know, like, in the episode and stuff, um, Rags was just like, yeah, Autumn and Nia. I, next week. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I just have not heard um, the... It was very funny, because I listened to the episode, and I got to the end, um, and I was like, oh... Shit, we have to record that soon. <laughs> yeah, I I'm two episodes behind on, um, Hot Singles Alpha. I will call it. <laughs> um, this is Hot Singles Beta. Yeah, um, I I'm two episodes behind, partially because you can't pay me to listen to Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, this is the Radiohead haters part. <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, I listened to a lot of Radiohead in high school. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, sometimes there's those things that you like in high school. And mm. I'm not going to say, like, you're embarrassed of it, but it's just, like, it's such a high school thing. Yeah. Right? Like, I can't think of Radiohead outside of, like, I was a sad high schooler. I also think it's juvenile to listen to Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and anyway, that's why In Rainbow sucks and every album after it I haven't listened to is because those all came out after I was in high school. Um, um. We Suck Youngblood is a good song, though. 
Is there oh. a sign out for this podcast? Okokoro is real. Okokoro is real. That's not the sign out for this one though. No, it's not. I I feel like there is one. Um Autogynephilia is real. <laughs> Ho, 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 it's Christmas time.